Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you once again on this Monday, July 20th of 2020. Yes, you heard it right, July 20th of 2020. And we are so <laughs> grateful and we are so happy uh, to be here together and to begin this week together in the Word, studying it. And, and I think that more than ever before, as you sense, as we sense the urgency and the necessity of coming together and hearing what the Lord is saying. We pray that you have had a good weekend, and we pray that you prepare your heart, your spirit this this week as we go into the Word of God and study it. And I think we're going to continue today on our passage, that our series that we began last week on uh, John 20, on a tremendous day uh, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and the Lord allowed us and showed us many things that I believe that perhaps we never had considered. So it's been a joy, and it's been a, a, a learning experience going through the story. And I'm excited about what God has for us this week. It is always a pleasure to be here with the panel, with Brother Marty, with Brother Fernando, and to be able, as always, to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, on this beautiful day, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. It's good to be back on this Monday, and uh, we're yes. looking forward to continuing our our, uh, our podcast. This is podcast number four in uh, peace be unto you as we are exploring the the very first day uh after jesus rose from the dead and all the things that transpired on that one day and like we've been talking about you know it's traditionally a, a an easter message right resurrection day but but like we were we've been seeing there's so much that happened on that day that that uh that we really haven't spent time exploring at length at least not in my lifetime <laughs> and all the messages mm. i've heard uh, i think it's really cool what the lord's been showing us and, and what we're able to dig out in all the individual lives that were touched on that early resurrection morning what happened uh, mid-morning what happens in the afternoon what happens late afternoon what happens at night and because there's much that happened on that one day and that's what we're going to continue studying today but before we do, I just want to give a shout out to my precious wife. <laughs> uh, I love I love you, honey, with all my heart. I know you'll listen to this message uh, later, uh, and I just wanted to say happy happy thirty fourth anniversary. Thirty four years you put up with Great. me. It's quite uh, a thing. It's how I know there's a, a God of mercy because my wife is still married to me. So I'm <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> so praise the Lord for that. She, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better wife or a better mother and a better uh, and, and, and even more importantly, uh, a great, great intercessor and and yes. wouldn't be here today. As I know you brothers can say about your own wives, we wouldn't yes. be here today if it wasn't for the love and uh, prayers of our uh, of the mothers of our children. Right. <laughs> Praise yes. God. Yes. Yeah. When God said it's not good for man to be alone, He knew exactly what He was talking about. Because <laughs> without her, I would be—I would definitely be a, a, a very lonely and sad person. So I'm—I'm I'm just really happy today, and and uh, thank you for indulging me in saying uh, happy anniversary to my wife. So let's get into the Word Amen. of God today, and uh, we'll Amen. continue 
Amen. Uh, we're in John chapter 20. And Brother Jeremy, would you uh, would you read to us verse 16 and 17, please? Yes. Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. Jesus said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Praise God. So we're going to continue studying this. This is number four. We encourage you that are just joining us to, to go back and listen to the other three. And I think you'll be uh, blessed at, at what the Lord has been allowing us to dig into the scriptures to see. So we're not going to lay a huge groundwork here, but we're going to take it up from where the Lord tells Mary uh, to go tell the uh, the brothers, that is the, the disciples that were hiding in a room in the house, uh, that he was he had risen. And that he was on his way to the Father. What he told her was, you know, do not touch me like Brother Jeremy read here, because I'm not yet ascended. And we began on Friday uh, to look at this very first uh, resurrection day as it, as it regards this statement here. And we saw something here that Jesus said to her. He said, I have not yet ascended. And so on Friday, we asked the question, well, where have you been? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you've, you've been right. gone for three days, right? Three days and three nights. And we began to explore what was actually going on in those three days and three nights. What what happened? And as we looked on Friday, uh, what was happening during those three days and three nights before resurrection morning, uh, and, and the Lord appeared to Mary, we, we, we explored how... Uh, how he had revealed in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 to the Pharisees that, that the only sign that would be given to the nation, to the nation of Israel, would be the sign of, of Jonah, which was an, a really interesting thing that he said. And then he went on to say that as Jonah was in the, in the heart of the, uh, of the whale for three days and three nights, he said, so would the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And we began to discuss what actually happened and what the scripture began to reveal. Jesus revealed by saying that, as if you guys remember uh, what we were discussing, that, that he would go down during the three-day and three-night period into the very center or the core of the planet, <laughs> of the planet Earth, which is quite amazing when you think about it, because you rarely hear any discussion about that. But as we saw... Um, and we went and looked into the scriptures, uh, and and I think you brought it out, brother Jeremy, on Friday, where where uh, you asked about paradise. How many people assumed that Jesus went right to heaven, right? Because that's where they assumed paradise was. Right. But as we looked as we looked into the scriptures, we began to discover that when Jesus was on the cross, there's that really interesting clue that's given, which you re you referred to, uh, where the thief on the cross. Uh, became born again he accepted the lord and he asked yes. the lord to remember him right when the lord entered into his kingdom and the lord said this he said uh, he didn't say he was going to enter into his kingdom he said today you'll be with me in paradise and yeah. that's what that was the promise that he gave him so then we went over to luke chapter 16 uh, because we believe the lord gave us clues there remember in that the parable of the rich man and lazarus yes and the Bible teaches us there that 
that uh, the rich man, when he died, immediately he found himself in hell. And Lazarus, uh, when he died, he found himself in paradise or in the location where Abraham or Abraham's bosom is. And, and so from that clue, we understand that what the Lord was saying was that he would go down into the heart of the earth and it was there uh, that he would be for three days and three nights. So we asked the question, well, what was he doing? Because before Mary, mm -hmm. the scripture we started reading this morning, before Mary um, had the appearance of the Lord, the resurrected Lord given to her, it, it appears to be indicating that, that he had just concluded that three day and three night uh, mission that he had. He had a purpose that he had to, to accomplish. First, he told us that he was going into the heart of the earth. And as we pointed out, can you look at that real quick, Brother Jeremy, in Matthew 12, verse 40? It's for the purposes yes. of our little, our little review here. Sure. Matthew 12, 12, 40. Verse 12, 40, 40, I believe. Yes. Okay. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Right. In the heart of the earth. That's an incredible statement that he made. And and, and he also identified himself again. Uh, he, he called himself the son of man. And we dealt with that on Friday because there's many preachers out there who teach that when Jesus died on the cross, that he went into hell and for three days and three nights that he was tortured and kicked around by, by the devil and, and demonic powers until the third day and they get all dramatic and talk about, you know, God said that's enough. Well, that, and we, we expose the fallacy of that teaching by the very words that Jesus spoke on the cross, right? He said yes. himself from, from the cross, it is finished, finished, right? Yes. He didn't say it's finished except for the next three days and three nights. <laughs> you know, he didn't say that, that. He said it's finished. And so he paid the price uh, for our sin on Calvary. He took upon himself the sins of the world. And then he cries out with a loud voice. And he says to the Father, into thy, into thy hands, not the devil's hands, into thy hands, Father, I commend my spirit. And then it says he gave up uh, his, the ghost, as, as the King the James says. Right. And so from there, we, we know from what you just read in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he said from there he would go into the heart of the earth, but he wouldn't go there to suffer. He would go as the son of man. Turn over to Daniel chapter 9, would you, Brother Jeremy, as I'm thinking about it, so we can, we can identify again what that term really means and why Jesus used it and what we can learn by, by uh, why he called himself the son of man, what he was actually saying to them. In Daniel chapter 7, I think it is, verse 13. Can you read that? 7.13, yes. It, yes. I saw the night visions and behold, excuse me. I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. And there was given to him dominion, glory, a kingdom, that all people, nations, languages should serve him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom 
shall never be destroyed. So the term that Daniel is used here or what was being revealed to, to Daniel uh, was was the term the son of man. That's the same term that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, when he said to the Pharisees, what you just read, I'm going to go into the heart of the earth as the son of man. And we just read the list of what the son of man uh, and his authority is. The son of man is Jesus. He called himself the son of man. And to the Pharisees, which would make him incredibly angry, they knew exactly what he was saying. They knew that he was identifying himself with that title, that title that Daniel had spoke about in his prophecies. That made him even more mad. But what we learn from him saying that is is what we're what we're putting forth here is that that whole doctrine of Jesus having to suffer and all that kind of that's that's a that's a lie from the devil. When Jesus went into the heart of the earth, he went there as the conquering king, and he went there to do. Two things, right? Which we read in uh, in First Peter, and 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 let's turn over there real quick, would you? Because what he yeah. did is he went into the heart of the earth, and 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 Peter reveals to us what he did. First Peter chapter three. Mm-hmm. Would you read to us beginning with verse eighteen and then read read through twenty? Eighteen through twenty. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the Spirit in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So the first thing, that's incredible what's being revealed. Once in, well, for one thing, in verse 18, again, to add weight uh, to, uh, to, and show the, the, the error of that doctrine that's preached in many churches, in many circles, that Jesus yes. had to suffer. This isn't true. Peter reveals what happens. He says, Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And then he says, he was put to death in the flesh. That's where that suffering was once and for all. That's what he says. And the death that he says, and the punishment and the suffering was all about the body of Christ on the cross. When he died on that cross, that was it. Payment had been paid. The price had been exacted. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Even what we studied a few weeks back in in the story of Nicodemus and Jesus meeting at night, he revealed to Nicodemus that just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up for God so loved the world, he goes on to say, right? So here we see what Peter is revealing is that, that the punishment and the being put to death occurred in his body, on the cross, his flesh. But he was made alive, that is, by the Holy Spirit. In other words, his spirit, his soul, into the hands of the Father, was protected by the Holy Spirit. So his spirit, which had no beginning and end, because he is the Alpha and the Omega, right? He's he's the great I Am. He he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But his soul, the, the, the humanity of him, it was kept alive and preserved spirit and soul by the Holy Spirit and then carried and assisted by the Holy Spirit, Peter says here, into the 
what Jesus told us, the lower parts of the earth. Peter describes it as the spirits. He went to preach to the spirits in prison. Well, Jesus revealed to us in Matthew 12, 40, where, where that prison is, right? It's in the heart of the earth. He revealed it also in Luke 16 in the parable of the, or the story of the rich man and Lazarus, that, that in the heart of the earth, that there appears to have been some, some time in the past, that paradise itself uh, was, was, was transferred, if you will, into the middle section of the planet itself, the very core of the earth. And there in Luke chapter 16, as it was revealed, that there is a great gulf between those that are in Sheol or Hades or hell and those that were in paradise. The Bible uh, is, is explicitly teaching us that prior to the Lord coming on Calvary and paying for our sins, prior to the debt and, and the penalty uh, that, that we so justly deserve, which Christ took upon himself at the direction of the Father for the saving of all who would believe, that the saints of God of the past, before Calvary, they looked ahead in time. They looked ahead and believed that the one that God was promising would come would indeed come. But like the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, would you turn over to the book of Hebrews, Brother Jeremy, real quick? Yes. With that thought in mind, Hebrews chapter, I think it's 11. Let's take a look. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Yeah. Uh, verse 13. Could you read that to us? Speaking of, of the saints of, of, of old. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Yes. And then verse 39, could you read verse 39 and, and 40? Yes. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without, without us should not be made perfect. That's incredible, because what, what we're being told here is that they looked ahead, like you just read in, in verse 13, that they saw the promises of far off, the promises of redemption the promises of, of forgiveness of our sins, the promises of eternal life. They saw it afar off, but as you just read in verse 39 and 40 of Hebrews 11, that they could not be made perfect until, until us, so that we without them and they without us. Basically, he's talking about the coming together of, of both the Old and the New Testament, the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, out of the two making a, a glorious body, uh, the body of Christ, right? And so he, 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 he puts forth the thesis in Hebrews 11 that when they died, they didn't die um, and, and earn their way to heaven because no man can be made perfect by the law. The law teaches us that we couldn't keep it. And, but they died in faith, having seen the promises of far off. And before that, he's describing how Father Abraham uh, and Sarah and the whole list of all the great, you know, uh, saints of old, the Hall of Fame of Faith, as they like to call it, how they saw the promises of Farah. 
how they listened uh, to the types and shadows. They they had revelation in the types and the shadows uh, of what God was revealing, whether it be by the Passover lamb, which is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the blood that was applied to the doorpost of the house of the children of Israel, where God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Or whether it was Father Abraham who who bound his son Isaac, laying him on the altar and was going to offer him to God until he was stopped. And and Jesus and, and other of the apostles described that Abraham saw his day right there. There was a miracle that took place. It was as if prophetically he knew and realized that what God was saying was, I'm going to give you my only son, that, that the one that would come in the future would be the promised seed. And that through him, Abraham would become a great nation, you know, so that if you can number the sands of the sea or the stars in the heavens, so shall thy seed be. And and in another place in the book of Hebrews, it talks about Abraham's faith was so great that had he actually indeed offered Isaac as, a, as an offering to the Lord, he believed that God was going to be able to raise him from the dead, from the very ashes, if that's what it took. That's how great his faith was. And then Jesus talked about in John to the Pharisees that Abraham saw his day and he was glad. And even in that story, when Abraham goes to Mount Moriah to offer his son, just before they go up to the mountain, uh, he tells his servants that came with them, me and the lad are going up the mountain to worship God and me and the lad are coming back down. He knew that God was going to provide something better. He saw them afar off. And so when people died in the past before Calvary, It was the faith in what God revealed to them that allowed them uh, to be counted as righteous. But they had no access to heaven. And so when Christ died and gave his spirit and soul into the hands of the Father on Calvary, having paid the price, having revealed to the Pharisees that he would go down into the middle part of the earth, it was there that he would go down to accomplish two specific things. Can you go back there to 1 Peter again now, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Here. Uh, and, and now, can you read that again? Uh, verse uh, chapter three, verse eighteen through twenty. Yes. With everything, with everything we just said in mind. For Christ also had once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So again, we're talking about the resurrection day, the very first day of resurrection. The first person he appeared to was Mary. And and then he tells Mary, I have not yet ascended into heaven. But before he ascends into heaven, and we look at that briefly today and what actually happened there, we ask the question, well, where were you for the three days and three nights? And that's what we're seeing here. We're, we're, we're showing in the scripture what he actually did and to whom he went and, and spoke. First, Peter says, after he paid the price, the Holy Spirit took him. That's what it says, right? In verse 19, he was made alive by the Spirit. And in verse 9 says, by the Spirit, he went also and preached unto the spirits in prison. 
So the first thing he did, and the prison that's being referred to is the prison and the holding cell, if you will, of hell itself, where all the departed souls of those who rejected God, that is where they go instantly. And and he went and preached to them. And we have an idea of what he did in that three days and three nights and what it was he was preaching to them. He went to them first. And 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 it says in verse 20 that these spirits which were which were sometime were disobedient. And and when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while Noah was preparing the ark. So what he really went as the son of man, as the judge of the living and the dead as the one who has now earned the right to have all authority given to him for he he paid the price for all creation in his own precious blood and when he went down there he went as the authoritative judge of all the living and the dead and he preached to them and 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 basically laid out the indictment on why they were unworthy to to be rescued because what he specifically went down in the heart of the earth to do was to rescue the saints of God we just read about in Hebrews chapter 11, those who had seen the promises afar off. Peter talked about it right here, that he paid that price, the just one for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He had to go get them. But he had. But remember what, what was revealed in Luke chapter 16 again. Let's remember what we're talking about here, the three days and three nights before the resurrection. He had to go into the heart of the earth, and there is where there is both a holding cell for the wicked uh, of, of the past and also a holding cell called paradise for those who were awaiting that day. And and what a glorious day it would have been. <laughs> to know, right. to, well, for one thing, what do we know, right? There's a great gulf between them, right? Because that's what we read. You guys go back and listen in the podcast. That's what we read in Luke chapter 16 in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It is revealed there that at, at at one time, because, you know, those who die in faith now, they don't go there anymore. Jesus already rescued them. The, the, the souls of the wicked, they're still there. And, right. and the Bible even seems to indicate that that hell has enlarged itself, you know, over the, the, the millennia. It's actually had to grow because of of, of the <laughs> of, of, of the spirits that have rejected the the gospel since then when we begin to see all these volcanoes and eruptions and earthquakes and things like that it's quite an interesting thought to think maybe at the very depth and and heart of the earth that hell is indeed enlarging herself as we near the second coming of the lord and more and more souls are, are are going there because they've rejected the son of the living god and so he goes to preach to those who were disobedient and he basically laid out the case and called them on the carpet because he said, look, we sent Noah to you, and, and, and you wouldn't listen. He was preparing an ark for 120 years, and you wouldn't repent. There is no excuse for you. God made a way for you to be saved, but you wouldn't turn from your wicked ways. And now uh, you are banished forever. And then he crosses over the gulf, and in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, what does Peter reveal, brother, there in uh, in verse 4 through 6? Four, 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 two, six. wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil speaking evil of you who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead for 
for for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. That's incredible. That's the second thing he did after dealing with the spirits of the disobedient, which, by the way, included the, the fallen angels and all that stuff we don't have time to get into. Spirits. You know, not just of men, but of fallen angels as well that corrupted the ancient world in the ancient past. He dealt with them. He now crosses the gulf, and Peter reveals something here incredible. Uh, he says he went and preached the gospel to them that are dead. That is, those that died in faith, like we just read in Hebrews eleven thirteen, who saw the promises of far off. Notice the difference. He goes in verse 19 of chapter 3 to preach to the spirits in prison, but in in verse 6, he goes and preaches to a whole different group, and he's not preaching about the disobedience and, 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 and they're, uh, they're, they're rejecting Noah's message. In verse 6, he's preaching the gospel, right? Verse 6, for lo, this cause was the gospel preached to them that are dead. He's speaking about the faithful dead so that they could, it would be, as, as Peter is saying, it, it's as if, uh, they were actual men alive who would hear the gospel. But the truth of the matter is, is that in hearing the gospel, God does this incredible miracle that he was going to take them and and they would live before God in the spirit or by the spirit, yet awaiting our heavenly bodies. That's a, <laughs> that's a really cool subject, but, but that's basically what Peter's saying. So this is what was transpiring in those three days and three nights before he appears to Mary. And then as we talked about uh, having completed this assignment, like we talked about, uh, he goes up to the surface and and there he appears to Mary. And she tries to touch him, but he won't let her. He says, do not touch me. I haven't yet gone into heaven. I haven't yet ascended. He says, but go tell my brothers that now I go to ascend to my father. Right? That's what he said. And so we explored this, and I, again, encourage you to go back and look at it, because what appears to have happened, and, well, how long have we been talking today? Oh, we got a little bit of time. Go back over there, brother, to Psalm chapter 68. Psalm 68. Fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> to <me>. It is. <laughs> you, know, the, you know how... You know, they're clues. They're found in the Word of God. If, if you, can, like you always say, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Yeah. Even in the Old Testament, we get some parts of it in the New Testament. And then what Peter declares even after, really give us a, a, a clearer picture of what Jesus went to do when he went down to paradise, when he went when he went there. So it is fascinating and, and, and amazing how the Lord leaves us all these clues and facts of what he did praise god and you remember we were talking about on friday uh on that on that great moment when simon peter uh after jesus asked the disciples who do men say that i am matthew 16 i think it is and simon peter says you're the christ the son of the living god and then jesus said uh blessed art thou simon bar jonah flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father which is in heaven and then he says, upon this rock, I will build my church, the rock of his belief in Christ, right, as the Son of God. Mm -hmm. I will build my church, and the gates of hell 
shall not prevail against it. You know, right. for one thing, many times that's that's preached as if Satan is attacking us and can't prevail. But that's not what Jesus said. You know, mm-hmm. he said the gates of hell, not the gates of the church or the gates of heaven, shall not prevail. Right. You know, that he won't prevail against. No, he said the gates of hell. And what he was talking about was that up until that point, there was a legal right to hold and to bar access to heaven itself. A price had to be paid and sin had to be eradicated. The destructive force of it and death and the one who held the power of it. So when Jesus was declared to be the son of God, he reveals something in Matthew chapter 16 that's so profound is that first he gives us a key there by what he said, that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This is a spiritual thing, is what he was telling Mm -hmm. Peter. My father revealed this to you. And then he says, because of this and this belief in what the father has revealed to you, I'm going to be able to go down into the lower parts of the earth, into into the heart of the earth itself, and the very gates, the prisons, they will not be able to prevent me from entering and from rescuing the saints of God mm. because because of their faith that I'm the son of God. Just mm. like you're declaring it. They looked ahead and saw me and believed and it's accounted unto them for righteousness and hell can't prevent me from going there. That's why when mm. you read uh, the rest of Matthew 16, uh, you'll see that right after he proclaims that, uh, Jesus then goes on to reveal the means by which it'll happen. He says that I'm going to go to Jerusalem, be rejected of the elders, and I'll be crucified. And and that's what he was revealing there. And so when he went down into the lower parts of the earth, indeed, the gates in hell of hell could not prevail. They had no power. They had no power to resist because he went down in the force of the Holy Spirit, like Peter just said. He went and preached to the those wicked spirits from before, and he went and rescued Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the entire church of all the faithful who had looked forward in time to the day when he would come and rescue them from that place called paradise and lead a procession into heaven itself. One of the reasons that he told Mary, don't, don't touch me. We have, we haven't, I haven't gone up yet. But we know from Scripture he wasn't going alone. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in Psalm 68, verse 17 yes. through 18? Okay. It says, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yeah, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Praise God. So there's an insight being given there. Because we know in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about before he ascended, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. He was quoting this psalm right there and applying it to the Lord. And that's what we've been discussing up until this point, how he went down, like Peter revealed in 1 Peter chapter 3, and preached to the spirits gone by, the wicked spirits before, and also preached the gospel to those he was going to lead captive, captivity captive. The word captivity literally means prisoners of war prisoners of war, which is something that we need to ponder to understand the great conflict that culminated on Calvary 
and the great victory that was announced to all creation on the day that the angels came down from heaven and rolled away the stone. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was declared to be the Son of God with power, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, by the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So much going on on that day, so much happening in that three-day period before the resurrection. And so what we're being told here is he's getting ready to lead captivity captive. There's a really cool insight there in Psalm 68, right? Because he describes it as the very same angels, the the 20,000 times thousands, which is an innumerable host, really, which the Lord himself will be among them, right? Just like he was at Sinai, the same God, that is Jesus, man, God manifested in the flesh, that Jesus himself will be among right. them and they will lead captivity captive and ascend up to the hill of God. That's what he was getting ready to do. And that's what he told Mary, I'm going to ascend. So it's an incredible picture. And we've seen that picture throughout the Old Testament, these chariots. I mean, I don't want to rush through this. Think about how cool this is. There's some sort of of uh, some sort of vehicles, brothers. <laughs> some sort of vehicles that 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 God has created. They call them the chariots of God. Think of Elijah, yeah. right? When uh, when Elisha saw him go away, right? What did he yeah. say? My father, my father, behold the chariots of God, right? The chariots of Israel. And the chariot, it says, swooped down and picked him up, took him away. And then what about uh, when uh, when uh, Elisha, Elisha uh, and his servant, and his servant was worried because of the Syrian army, remember? And he told God yes. to open his, his eyes. And yes. on the hills, what did he see? The chariots, right? The angels with the chariots. Yes. And so they, they have vehicles of some sort, for lack of a better word. And so really while while yeah. Jesus is up on the surface with Mary on the resurrection day, I just can picture it based on what's being said here in the scripture. They're loading up all them <laughs> all them saints of God in paradise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, my goodness, they however that happens, man, this is what the scripture says. Because, you know, we have to think in terms of multidimensional reality here. We're not just talking about solid matter. There's Matter passes away, but spirit is more tangible. As a matter of fact, matter that we see, that which we can see and touch and hold, you know, that solid aspect of creation, its origin is in the world that we can't see, right? Hebrews chapter 11, so that the things that are made were not made of things which do appear. That's what the Bible is in, indicating. So that the real world is the world beyond the veil. And that the world that we live in right now is just merely a temporary uh, plane. It's, it's, it's a plane of existence. But the Bible makes hints at how closely these dimensions of existence are when he says, you know, the, the, uh, the Lord is ninety, uh, you know, he's just beyond the veil or the word is ninety even in thy mouth or where two or three are gathered together, there am I in their midst. I mean, there's all these kinds of hints, or even like we're talking about the chariots of God, Elisha's servant. He says, open his eyes, which seems to indicate that there's some sort of, and I hate to use the word, but 
because it sounds all new agey, but I'm not talking like that. But you know, the bandwidth, the the light spectrum. You know, we dwell in a small band of light, which we call the material universe. But there's so much more beyond that. The Lord dwells in a light which no man can approach. Right? Uh, on and on and on. So, so what we're talking about here is that when Jesus comes in his bodily uh, in his resurrected body to appear to Mary, what the scripture seems to be revealing here is that the angels, the chariots of God that once came on Sinai, were now down picking up all those saints of God. And, 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 and when he ascended, they all joined him. The Lord is among them. Read that again, would you, Brother Jeremy, in 68, 17? And listen to, what it, to what's being revealed. Yes, let me go back to it. 68.17 says, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. So the Lord is among them, right? And what are they going yes. to do? Uh, uh, verse 18. Yes. Thou has ascended on high. Thou has okay, so wait, wait, wait right there, because that's, wait, because that's what he told Mary, right? First he said, I haven't ascended. Then he tells Mary, go tell my disciples I ascend. So what we know from that scripture is that in between the I have not ascended and then go tell my brother I ascend, that's what you're reading right there. What happened when he ascended. <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> and what did he do? He led captivity captive, right? <laughs> yes. So... So this incredible. So like I mean, go ahead. But like this incredible, like how do you say it, brother? Uh, in just all these saints ascending, almost like marching, being picked up on these chariots, right? <laughs> yes. Taken. The the gates are open. You you also uh, spoke. Uh, I'm sure you're probably gonna get to it. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I know in Matthew 24. Excuse me, in Psalms 24, yes. you speak about the the gates being opened. You know. Yes. As a, almost like a procession going on in the dimensions and as they're going through all these gates are being opened so uh tremendous i'm just trying to picture it in my mind's eye the beauty how the beauty of this of saints who were you know uh, in a holding place for all these years finally <laughs> being led up to uh, to, to heaven it's heaven powerful and, and yeah. see and jesus revealed that the same thing's going to happen to us and look yes. at look at look at Matthew chapter uh, twenty four twenty five. Where does he go on here? I think that's where he says, uh, where he sends forth his angels. It might be. Let me see here. Do you remember where that is, brother Fernando? Where he says that he'll send forth his angels and gather his elect from the four corners of the wind. Is that Matthew? Yeah, it's on uh, Matthew twenty four. Yeah, 31. Matthew twenty four. Yeah. Okay. Thirty one. Well, you, you want me to read it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, wait. Uh, yeah, okay. Read verse thirty, and then start from there to yeah, till so, thirty-one. Thir okay. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect 
from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Hallelujah. So what do we learn from this? First of all, is that he's sending the angels, right? Just like he did while he's talking to Mary and says, I haven't ascended yet, but now go tell my, my brethren I'm getting ready to ascend. And then we just read in Psalm 68, right? When he ascended, it was surrounded by thousands of angels, tens of thousands of and innumerable hosts and their chariots and captivity captive where the saints of old had been in holding all those thousands of years until the Lord paid the price to release them. And he took the prisoners of war with him. What's interesting about this description is notice he doesn't go into the heart of the earth because they're not there anymore. The only elect that are left are on the surface. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? So, but what my point is, again, he sends the angels in verse 31. I mean, that's First Thessalonians chapter 4, right? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout of the voice of the archangel, trumpet of God. There we go. And we ain't got time to get but, into to that. But, but go they ahead. Are the, they, are, they are the reapers. They're the reapers. The reapers. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Can, can, can I ask? Can I ask you a question for the sake of the audience, too? Yeah. I know you, you mentioned it. Uh, so when someone dies now, uh, they no longer go to that place of, of paradise. But what ascends to heaven, their spirit or their soul? Because, oh. uh, and I'm asking uh, both, okay, because when the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first, what's going to yeah. rise? Their what's body. What's going to rise? Their body, okay. Yeah. Because it will be transformed says, into right. a group. Remember what Paul said? He said, to be absent from the body is what? Yes. To be present. The present With the Lord, right? Oh, that's yes, right. Yes. And that's what we were, the insight we were given in, in Peter. When, when Jesus went down into the lower parts of the earth and he preached the gospel to those who had died in faith so that they could be judged according to men that were alive, what he was literally saying was it's as if God counted it their faith and them hearing the gospel in that place he went to rescue them, he counted it as if they were on the surface and part of the church that would hear the gospel and receive it so that they could live. But because they were dead, he, he protected their souls and their spirits, and they are living before the Lord right now in the spirit, in spirit and soul. Hmm. Understand that, that most people think spirit and soul is like some wisp of a... You know, like like a like when you light a match and you blow the flame out and you just see the, you know, you see the the, oh. the, the, the right. They they think spirits like that, but that's not true. You know, spirit is 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 like Jesus said, it's not a ghost. You know, and 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 we are recognizable. We know that they're living and and waiting for the ultimate promise, which is to house that spirit in a body just like Jesus. But we're we're thoroughly recognizable and fully recognizable. I'll give you an example. Like when when Samuel uh, was in that holding place and 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 Saul called him up, right, with the witch of Endor, remember? And and the Bible says that he came up from the earth. He's in the spirit. He didn't have a body, but but Saul knew exactly who he was. He's recognizable. So we're recognizable. How that all is, I don't know. You know, I mean, all I know is what the scriptures say. But we will uh, be given that new body. So when the dead in Christ rise first, he's referring to their mortal body. But remember what Paul reveals in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that we which are alive, that is, our bodies have not suffered decay, we which are alive and remain, 
he says, shall be changed, right? Yes. Let's take a look at this in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, since we're on it real quick, because I can't assume that the people listening know what we're talking about. So, again, this is this is scripture with scripture. Uh, what Jesus just revealed, right? The angels are going to come just like they did uh, in the three days and three nights. And just when he was about to ascend, as he told Mary, they came and took them in these magnificent chariots and whatever it is that we fly through in the universe in and in all the dimensions God's created, they came and took captivity captive and the Lord was among them. Well, he said at the end of the world when he returns, which is not too far ahead of us, I, I firmly believe that, uh, that he's going to dispatch his angels in the same manner and, and, and come collect us at the sound of a great trumpet, Jesus said. And listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in regards to those who have died before and, and us who will be alive at the time. Uh, read uh, verse 51 through 53, would you? Yes. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Right. So what he says and reveals there is the dead shall be raised incorruptible. In other words, they will be given a body. You know, that incorruptible, their body will be changed. But we which are alive at the time, like he says in verse 51, we're not all going to die. There will be a generation of saints. Jesus called them the elect. Those that are Shall alive at his, yes, at his second coming, right? So when mm -hmm. he comes, uh, the dead will rise first. That is, their bodies will, will, will rise, and there'll be some sort of a change, like he says, in the twinkling of an eye. We will be clothed upon. Incorruption and mortality will put on immortality. And, and then he says in verse 54, what? So when... This corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Praise God. Yes. See, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Mm. Yes. And, 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 and every, that is what Jesus did for us. That is what God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that's what they accomplished for us. And that is why what we hear in our churches today, in, in, in <laughs> across the land, uh, when the churches were open, uh, nothing, nothing about this kind of stuff. And, and, and so what they're preaching and what they're giving to the people is absolutely nothing. Our hope is not this world. Everything yeah. in the scripture, everything pointed to a recreation, a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And so we see yes. here that, like we read in Matthew 24, that he dispatches the angels for the elect. That's the same thing that Paul's talking about. And the clouds that he that he references, right? That's the saints yes. that, that come back with him, right? He'll Behold, he comes yes. with clouds. Remember in Hebrews, he says, behold, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. witnesses. The clouds. Yeah, the clouds are the angels. The clouds are the saints of God clothed in white and pure linen. 
That's why they look like clouds. You know, it, it's going to be an incredible sight. And and we which yeah. are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, the Bible says, right? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. So when we die now, to answer your question, that's a long way around. We don't go down to a holding pattern anymore because Christ rescued right. us and emptied that place. And, and Paul said, <laughs> yeah, man. And Paul said, um, then Paul said uh, uh, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We go instantly into his presence. Remember in that parable when the when the when Lazarus died, it says that the angels carried him. You know that scripture I'm talking to you about? Yes. Let, yes. Let's take a look at it in in Luke 16, just so the the, the our, our brothers and sisters following along with us can see in uh, in Luke chapter 16. Yes. Luke 16, um, let's see where it says he died. Yeah, in verse uh, 22. Yes, okay, here we go. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And verse 23. And... And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So what do we learn from this? First, we learn that, that the saints of old who died had angels carry them into paradise. It, it, it's it's an, another term for it is Abraham's bosom, the place of faith, right? But notice the ungodly who die, they have no such escort from the angels of heaven uh, mm. it, instantly. It's, 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 it's a torment that begins instantly. So yeah. what, 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 are you, what are you saying, Brother Marty? Well, notice nothing's changed. You know, when the godly and the saints of God die, those who have faith in the gospel, those like the saints of old, the angels carry us into God's presence. You know, only we don't have to go into the lower parts of the earth and wait for the Messiah to come. He's already come. But the, the process is the same. We are carried by the angels into his presence. They come and get us, yeah. man. I mean, oh. I mean I've, I've heard stories, and you have too over the years, right? Oh, yeah. People that have yeah. experienced this very thing, or the, you know, those, whether you believe them or not, I, I, there's some really credible cool stories that we hear of people who actually died and came back and they talk about being carried into God's presence by the angels of God. And so that's, what's going to happen. And, and so yes. at the end of the, at the end, like we were reading in Matthew 24, um, he sends his angels again, right. To get his saints. He sent his angels to get Elijah. He, he sent his angels to fight for us. He sends his angels, his ministering spirits, to surround and protect us. When we accept yes. Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you are immediately assigned uh, protection God. from God. Hallelujah! You know, oh. and they, and they protect us, and they and they keep us. So whether we live in this body or the moment that we die, they are with us. And so, you know, if someone has, and we we don't understand all things, but if somebody dies in a car wreck or or some crazy thing like that instantly they're they're carried by the angels into the presence of God. And we need to understand yeah. that. And so that's what Jesus was doing. He rescued us. 
and and again, we I just want to quickly get to what else he did. So that's where we're going to right now. And maybe we should wait for that tomorrow. It's up to you. We got a few minutes. What do you think? Yeah, we got a few minutes. Is that right? You got 10 minutes, guys? <laughs> yes, brother. <laughs> All right. This is good. Well, yeah, so, so that's what happened, right? He then, after he leaves Mary and tells her, you go talk to them, I have to ascend. Well, we just began to read. Uh, that it was it was in an innumerable company of of angelic beings that came to get him and and came and the Lord is among them and and they led captivity captive and they began a procession through the openings of of the different dimensions and this is really powerful uh, uh, what happened but there's something else that happened when he arrived in heaven now remember Mary's on her way. She's going to tell them what he said to them. I ascend. And while she went, and this is all happening on one day, by the way, like we've been talking about. This is resurrection morning. And really it makes sense because the Lord himself in the scriptures declares that the Son of God, when he raised from the dead, became the beginning of the creation of God. Are you familiar with that scripture? In yes. in Revelation chapter 3, go over to Re Revelation 3, brother. And, and read uh, how he des he describes his own self, the resurrected Lord, uh, to the church at Laodicea, chapter 3, verse 14. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He calls himself the beginning of the creation of God. He's talking about his resurrection. And and so the beginning of the new heaven and the new earth occurred that resurrection morning. And so it, it it's incredible what we're what we're seeing and where we're headed now is is to Hebrews because this all occurred on that very first resurrection morning. He is the beginning of the creation. It's not like we're waiting until the end of time and there's gonna be a, uh, then he's gonna do it all. He's already begun it. It's already happened, and it's been coming since the dateless past, and it was declared to, to, to now have, so to speak, the, the switch was flipped on, and the new creation began the moment Jesus rose from the dead. I am the beginning of the creation of God. And why is that? He had to be the first because he's what? The first and the last. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the, right? He's the beginning and the ending. He was the he's beginning in the, the first fruits. That's right. He's, but he's there was the Apostle Paul calls him that. Yes, the that's right. Fruits. The first fruits mm -hmm. of them that are risen from the dead, right? He's mm -hmm. holy unto God. And, and and so that he can be Lord and master over all things. He was the Lord and master over all things before he died. And now in the new creation, uh, which he is making, the pre the prepared place that he told his disciples about, the new reality. Whatever you want to call it, whatever word is, is germane to our times, right? Uh, however we want to describe it, he's the first and the last. He's the beginning. He's the end. He is Lord over everything. And so he describes himself as the beginning of the creation of God. And so he ascends. And, 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 and like we're saying, that's why this one day is so packed with so much incredible activity. 
from the early in the morning when the women go to the tomb to Mary running to tell them the stone's been rolled away and we don't know where the Lord's body is. You know, you've got angels showing up and proclaiming he's not here. He's alive. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Peter and John go run into the tomb. Peter goes off after going into the tomb, wondering what the heck's going on. He's all disillusioned. John, it says, believes. He goes back to the house with the other disciples that are there. Mary goes back to the tomb. There's nobody around. It's still early in the morning, and Jesus appears to her in his resurrected body. And we just found out what he'd been doing the last three days and three nights before he appeared to Mary in his resurrected body. We just discussed it at length. And now he's getting ready to ascend. He tells her to go and tell them he's about to ascend, and he indeed ascends. And we just finished talking about, you know, that great procession that he led of the great saints of old. He led the prisoners of war, captivity captive in a great display of glory that we can only imagine as they went through all the previously shut access points of the dimensional progression that leads all the way up to the heaven that is above all heavens where the Father was. And that's where he went. And and so once he gets there, he does something. And let's take a look at that as we close today in in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 9. Are you there, Brother Jeremy? Yes, I'm here. Because when he got there, he then had to do something. Now remember, he's going to do this, and then he's going to come back on the same day, that very first day. Because remember, he still has to walk on the road with the guys to Emmaus, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, so by the time he comes back, it's late afternoon. So several hours have passed, which is quite amazing. If you just want to get into some kind of cool speculation, you know, the traveling from one point to the to the other, the ascending up through the multiple dimensions, the multiple places of principalities and powers and dominions where real activity, real existence is. He went through every one of those things. Psalm 24 describes it. And and then ultimately reaches the final destination, which is heaven proper itself, which is where God's throne, his father's throne is. And if you think about it, just like Moses went up to the mountain, so the Lord ascends up into heaven, right? And just like Moses, so did uh, Jesus. Uh, you know, Moses came down from the mountain in order to build a tabernacle, right? Where, where the presence of God could dwell with the children of Israel in the wilderness. Jesus. Uh, comes down from heaven proclaiming that the Holy Spirit is coming so that 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 the church could be born on the day of Pentecost and become that very tabernacle just in fullness, uh, no longer a type, but the real tabernacle where the presence of God will dwell in the hearts of his people. And then Moses did something. He consecrated the tabernacle in the wilderness with the blood of bulls and goats. But it's revealed here what Jesus did in John chapter, I mean, in Hebrews chapter 9 that he literally cleansed the church and he cleansed the heavens with his own blood. Now take a look at this, because this is what he did when he arrived in heaven. He goes, having cleansed the very heavens themselves, the Bible puts forth this incredibly deep thought, beginning with the 22nd verse. Can you read uh, 22 and 23 of chapter 9, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And almost all things are by the law purged, with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these 
but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So what's being revealed here as Paul is, is writing this, he's revealing what Jesus did. He talks about the tabernacle that was in the wilderness, which Moses made. But then he talks about that tabernacle as only being a miniature scale model of the real tabernacle in heaven. And he says something interesting that, that, that he points our attention to. That Moses, having completed the construction of that tabernacle, it necessitated that he walk throughout the tabernacle and sprinkle it with blood. And he said that it was a type of something that was yet to be accomplished in the future. He talked about verse 23. Can you read verse 23 again? It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What this is implying, what the scripture is talking about, is that the heavens themselves needed to be purified. And that what, what Moses did on the earth in sprinkling blood on the miniature, uh, the scale model of of heavenly things. That's what he calls the tabernacle on earth, that it's a miniature model of what actually exists in the heavens and the Holy of Holies itself being a replica or a miniature uh, representation of the very throne or the very uh, temple of God in heaven itself. And by implying here in verse 23, and again, this isn't Bible 101, so we, we pray that you, you take the time to research this and read it yourself and, and meditate on what's being said here. He talks about it was necessary that the patterns, the patterns of the things in the heavens, he's talking about the tabernacle, would be purified with sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats. But then he says in verse 23, but that the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, than the blood of bulls and goats. And what that is saying to us is that the heavens themselves, therefore, were, were at, at that time in, in an uncleansed and unpurified state. They needed to be purified. And that what God was trying to explain to us by the construction of the tabernacle and what he was trying to say to his people was was that blood would have to be shed in order to purify the very heavens themselves. It's an incredible thing that's being revealed. And, and again, what we're talking about is the ascension. Remember what she, he told Mary on day one, I ascend. And so as he ascended, this is what he was doing. Because remember what he said, I haven't ascended yet. I'm about to ascend, now go tell my brothers. Because we're Gentiles and we weren't raised in Judaism or, or in the Torah and all that, uh, we, we don't understand the language that's being spoken by the Lord to Mary to tell the disciples. And, and many times we find difficulties in passages like this because we have a Gentile mind. But as we study the things that are being told here, what we're really witnessing is what the, what the Bible calls the Day of Atonement or the ceremony of an atonement. The atonement was once every year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would offer blood upon the, what is called the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. 
and then the Shekinah glory or the light presence of God would appear, and it would be the indication that God had accepted the sacrifice. And the high priest would then leave the Holy of Holies, make his way back through the holy place and come into the outer court. And the people would see that the fact that he emerged unharmed and alive, that God had accepted the sacrifice and they were good for another year. But what Paul goes on to describe here in the book of Hebrews is that that was only meant to be an instructional figure of the one that was coming in the future. And he's laying out this case before his people. And we're talking about what happened on the ascension. He is speaking at such a deep level to them because he's literally saying that Christ himself went up into the tabernacle that is real and true. Verse 23 again, it says, it says it, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but that the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. So as Christ was leading this procession up through the heavens, just as Moses had purified the earthly tabernacle, Jesus was once and for all cleansing the very heavens themselves that were in an unpurified state. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so that leads us to ask, right, and we are not going to get into this today, but you you ask the question, well, how can that be? What are you saying? That the heavens were, were unpurified? Yes. That's what the Bible is teaching us. That what Christ actually did on the cross and the resurrection and then the subsequent ascension on day one was begin the process of purifying every single section, every single reality and compartment of principality, power, ruler, authority, all up into heaven itself, purifying it. Because something obviously is being revealed here that 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 the original creation entered into a state that needed to be cleansed. It wasn't pure, and only God himself could purify it, and he did so by his only son. Remember, yes. <laughs> remember, if you read in Psalm 24, when the procession is led, it talks about two sets of gates and doors. Lift up your head, O ye gates, lift up you, you everlasting doors in Psalm 24. And let's take a look at that real quick. Psalm 24, so you can understand what we're talking about here. Because because we're talking about the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies, which is what makes up the tabernacle, and which is what is being told to us here, represents the earth, which is the outer court, the holy place, which is where the, uh, the, the menorah, the table of showbread, the altar of incense is, representative and reflective of heavenly things or the universe proper itself, and then the Holy of Holies itself, the very throne room of God. So three dimensions, in essence, are mentioned. Christ having paid the price on Calvary is the cleansing of the outer court. But there remaineth two places, the holy place and the most holy place. And that's why when he leads this procession in Psalm 24, uh, it's it's broken down in this way so that we can understand that what he was actually and what's actually being revealed as he goes into this great procession, having led captivity captive, that 
Notice what's mentioned here in Psalm 24. Can you read that 7 through 10, Brother, Brother Jeremy? Because what we're about to see here, like we talked about on Friday, is this is that procession of the thousands of angels, the saints of old. They're on their way up to heaven. Jesus is among them. He's coming to the Father. That's what's going on as Mary's running over to, the, to tell the disciples, he's ascending. He told me he's ascending. Well, while he was ascending, this is what's going on. Now check it out. Read it, would you? Lift up, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory, Selah. And, and that word Selah means to pause and really think about what I just said to you. Because <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what the King David is writing here. He goes, man, you need to think about what I just said to you, right? Selah, like hang out here for a while and really think about what I just said to you. Because in verse 3, he's describing the Lord of Jesus. He's saying who the King of glory is, is the Lord of hosts. We know that's, that's one of the titles for Jesus, right? The Lord of hosts. And then verse three says, who shall ascend right into the hill of the Lord? He's talking about, and, and who shall stand in his holy place or the most holy place? That, that's, uh, that's where the throne of God is. So what we're talking about here is what's being revealed here. Notice in verse seven, he, he, he identifies the, the gates and the everlasting doors. And then in verse nine, again, he says the gates and the everlasting doors. He's describing the procession. Uh, into the holy place and then the most holy of all. There's two references there, and, and it's a reference to the cleansing of those very compartments. The Lord of glory, he's coming victoriously, and his very presence and his very blood has, has made the way for these gates to be opened. He opened the passageway. And what we're reading here, therefore, in Hebrews chapter 9, again, as we hurry, and we'll probably have to pick it up here again tomorrow because I've probably totally confused a lot of people, but I hope not. I'm trying my best to describe this. Uh, and, and 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 brother, you got any comments, brother Fernando? I know you you've thought about a lot of this uh, before. We've had good conversations on this. Verse 23. Can, give me your thoughts on this, would you? Yeah. Well, I mean, we we spoke about these things extensively, uh, really throughout the years, right? And, yeah. And uh, the and we also mentioned the lack of I don't know what what you would call it dimensional teaching um uh, that the bible seems to be indicating that's uh that's very real right yeah uh, and 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 that's ultimately what what um uh we're we're trying to tell the people what what the psalms are saying there concerning uh the the dimensions that the tabernacle is 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 describing to us that are very real in the spirit realm. The question is this, how can God explain to us spiritual things if, if we're here in the natural? Well, <laughs> he, he, he gives us clues, right? He, he leaves uh, signs to us. He, he, he left the tabernacle, right, as, as, a, as, a, as a means to understand the things of, of, of the spirit. And that's what we're seeing here. So the, these three days when, when Jesus dies on the cross and, and is buried, uh, leading up to his resurrection, um, he's dealing with things that are unseen. 
which which immediately should should tell us, wait a minute, you know, he's dealing with something in the spirit realm. Why? That's the question we need to ask. Why? And you yeah. and you said it well earlier because in the spirit realm is where all these things originated that we now see playing out on earth. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's 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 so important that we understand these things. That the things yeah. of the spirit. These are the things of the spirit. These are the things that yeah. pertain to the kingdom of God that are unseen. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. The gates uh, give us an, uh, a look into uh, the spirit realm, and, but we have to use the the tabernacle to fully understand the dimensional breakdown of what's taking place and his extension back uh, to the Father. Exactly. Yes. A- another thing too is that. Uh, the way uh, in in this in this time, the way we teach um, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we teach it very one dimensionally. And what I mean by that is just we just speak about it and concerning He died for our sins, and it's just me, me, me. But we don't understand that it's multi dimensional. The Bible says He died for the world, the cosmos. So it, yeah. it, it not only cleanses just us. And that's the way we teach it. It's just our sins. But no, it, it cleansed the heavens, and and yeah. a lot of it is it's not taught. It's not taught in this, in, you know, in this age. Like I said, we just teach it in a one-dimensional way. And that's a that's a really excellent point because, like we said earlier, what Peter revealed when Jesus went into the heart of the earth, um, that he first went to the 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 spirits that are in prison, that were all part of that ancient world that was judged by the flood, right? So we know that that rebellion has at least been going going on since then. But the Bible indicates that there there appears to have been a rebellion that that affected the whole cosmos, like you said, Brother Jeremy. Very very uh very very true that that we do have a tendency to present the gospel in a very one dimensional way. But but God is revealing to us here conflict that's occurred in the dateless past. And that it necessitated that the Son of God actually go through the gates, through every single place of existence, wherever that conflict tainted the very heavens. Remember what it is said that that Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. I saw him fall from there. Life lightness. You know, a rebellion. And and again, we don't have time to get into that in this series. And and as the Lord allows, because these are very, very um, holy things. You know, they're not just meant to be put out there. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I'll throw this in there just for the listener's sake to do their homework. Uh, again, what, what we're speaking here, I think, is, is mature, you know, things of the Bible. You know, these are this is high-level stuff. But we can understand these things if we're in tune with the Spirit. He wants us yeah. to understand them. And, and the Bible is replete with the phrase, if, if you pay attention and read your Bible, before the foundation of the world. Yeah. It uses that a lot. Uh, things that pertain to before the foundation of the world. It's not just saying that to say that. It's, it's, it's saying that to get your attention, to get yeah. your focus, to begin to ask the question, wait a minute. So what happened before the foundation of the world? Before right. man was put on earth? Yeah. Something happened. Something originated yeah. in, the, in, the, in, in the distant, you know, past. We yeah. so we and I think the Lord is showing us a glimpse uh, of what yeah. we're teaching today of, of what took place and what ha- what He had to deal with. Yeah, and again to reiterate our our series here, 
this is what we're reading right now about him going into the heavens and, and purifying them. And all of that happened again on the very first day of the resurrection. That's what he's on his way to do. He has to, man, that's why he told her, do not touch me. Cause as we, and we'll pick this up again here tomorrow. We're going to close with this, but, but we'll pick it up right here. Cause this isn't something we can just rush through and run through. Right. Uh, having listened to our broadcast on Friday uh, the other day, or yes, early this morning sometime, uh, I realized that what we just went through again, we, we kind of repeated ourselves, but we went through it quickly the other day. So it, it, it is the Spirit of God has led us to this point in order to re-examine and really get a solid understanding of what was happening the three days before the resurrection. And now we're we're, we're well into the day. Mary, again, is going to preach the gospel for the first time and said, he's alive and I've seen him. And he told me to tell you he's ascending into heaven. And now we're describing what that ascension was all about, that he was leading captivity captive, surrounded by a myriad of an innumerable host of angels and saints of the past, going through the different gates and openings of, of, of the realms of dimensions of existence and purifying them with his very presence and, and the precious blood of the lamb that he shed, going all the way into the very heavens themselves, all on day one of the resurrection. He had to do this. He had to go present himself to the Father. And what we're having a, uh, given as an insight here is what was going on as he was ascending. He's not only leading captivity captive, but he's also throwing the gates open, lifting the everlasting doors, these are the descriptive terms given by the Holy Spirit to reveal to us that, that gates and doors were shut, and there were reasons why they were shut, to prevent access from all kinds of things that in the future we pray that we'll get into. And why is this important? Because, because one of the reasons is, and one of the things that can, can, continues to compel my spirit, is that the days that we are living in right now, and the days that are just ahead of us, not too many days ahead, we're going to need to understand what the gospel really is right. and who our right. Lord really is, right? Because everything mm -hmm. is going to be tried and tested. It's already begun. And yeah. and there is there are a whole bunch of other things that are, is revealed will be allowed to come against many of the saints in this hour. And, and their very faith is going to be challenged. And if your perspective, right. right, if your perspective is only on the temporary here and now and what God can do for me, myself, and my house, and that's what you think the gospel is, honey, you're not going to be able to stand. Mm -hmm. Your loved ones aren't going to be able to stand. None of them will. Because the anchor of our faith is in the resurrection and in the promise and the hope of the second coming of the Lord. And we need, yes. that's why David said at the end of Psalm 24 is, Silah, right? Yes. <laughs> Think yeah. about it. It's, not even saying it's, right. a, it's tremendous, Brother Marty, because even though right now that we have the New Testament, and even now us in this hour have a little bit more of an understanding, in the yes. Old Testament, the saints knew that something happened in the past. Yes. You know, for example, you know, just very quickly, I know we have to finish, but for example, David, when he asked Lord, um, he, he would say, cleanse thou my, you know, my, my, my secret faults. He would say my presumption sins. He wasn't just talking about himself because he would say, and I will be innocent from the great transgression. 
What was he referring to? What was he talking about? He was talking yeah. about that great transgression that happened with Lucifer, right? The fall, yeah. Satan. Who yes. Was. So these old sins maybe didn't have the, 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 all the understanding that we may have in, in terms of what's been revealed to us now, but they understood that something happened in the past. And that's what we're saying. You have to know that the gospel is not just a one-dimensional, me-me thing. No, it's multi-dimensional. Dimensional. And we have to understand what happened. To know what's going to happen in the future, we need to know what's happened in the past. And yes, just, and, and, and then uh, also to make sense of what's happening in the present. <laughs> right. right. That's good. Like yeah. you said, I can't, yeah, I can't say it any better than you just said it. And that's that's a good point, Brother Jeremy, to continue to, to bring forth. Is that the gospel is 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 far-reaching? It 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 reaches into the dateless, eternal past. It comes forward into the present and and it declares the future. All of it was was a was an act of a being uh, who has no beginning and no end. We call him Father. Others uh, will know him either as Father or as Judge, and his Son is by how, like Brother Fernando was saying earlier, how do you explain the unseen to people who have only known that which can be seen? And and, and mm-hmm. Brother Fernando said, right? Brother Fernando said he, he went about it by doing object lessons, whether it's creating a tabernacle, right. instituting laws, instituting sacrifices. All of these things were done for centuries to ingrain in the very psyche of a particular group of people, the Jews, what the next covenant was all about, that they were meant to figure out in all those things, all these things that we're talking about now. And so we're going to explore that further because we're still in the first day. We're still seeing now. We're going through the day. And this is what we're talking about as Christ is ascending now. He's led captivity captive. What's being revealed here is that the heavenly things themselves are now being purified all on day one. But he's making his way to the Father. And verse 24 finishes with this. It says, for Christ is not entered into the holy places. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. He's not entered into the holy places which are made with hands. They They are simply the figures of the truth. But he has entered into heaven itself now to do something, what? To appear in the presence of God for us. That's what he went to do. That's what he went to, that's what he told Mary to go tell my disciples. Go tell them, I ascend to the Father. He's using the language that that Jewish people would understand, especially looking back on it and reflecting it once they understood the resurrection and those kinds of things, which is why Paul writes the way he does. When he talks about appearing in the presence of God, he's talking about the very holy of holies, which he has now just spent nine chapters laying forth the whole um, thesis of why the old Levitical way of seeking God, the old Judaism was going to pass away and a new and an everlasting covenant and a real heaven, a real temple. That's where Jesus went. And, and and he went to appear in the presence of God, which is which is Bible speak for God accepted his presentation. And the word to appear is really cool. And this is where we'll close, because when Jesus arrived in heaven, he had to leave the saints of God and the angels and all that 
you know, out there in 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 in, in Heavenland, however you want to call it, man. And he went directly to his father. He went directly to the throne. He walked up to the throne as a representative great high priest, undefiled, having paid the price, and now representing his brothers on earth. And 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 when it says to appear, if you look up that word in the in, in the Greek, it literally means that he stepped to the father and began to to talk with him. <laughs> he began to tell him like a high priest would he began to tell him what he had accomplished to appear means that he made a declaration and he offered prayers for himself and for his people that's what he did and 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 when it says in the presence of god he to appear in the presence of god that's paul's way of revealing that that god's presence and light enveloped his son just like the priest in the Holy of Holies would be enveloped once a year on the Day of Atonement. And and we're gonna we're gonna see what what else he did just before he would return on that very first day. Because after he was done doing this, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter twenty four he came back. It's late in the afternoon. <laughs> so he's he's just amazing. I always laugh there because I think, my gosh, man, <laughs> this is an incredible day. <laughs> what happened on this glorious day? Hallelujah! But he came back Thank after God. this, right? And 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 that's why he he finds these two guys walking on the road to Emmaus, and he says, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> he's like, he's like, "What's wrong with you people? <laughs> See, yeah. Don't you know what's just happened?" Hallelujah! <laughs> Glory to God. So we'll pick it up Glory here tomorrow. To but 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 the point is, my goodness, what a day! And, and 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 what a glorious, magnificent King of Kings! That's why they call him King of Kings, Lord, oh, yeah. Lord, the yeah. everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, right? The Lion of the Tribe of Judah. He's the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. He's the Son, the only one of his kind, the only begotten uh, of our Father in heaven, and he's coming again. He's yeah. promised to come back and get us, and that's what we're waiting for. So tomorrow we'll pick it up late afternoon, day one, Resurrection Day. As we conclude uh, today, we pray that this study has been a blessing to you. And and uh, and we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. Be encouraged. He's alive. Yes. Praise God. Go ahead, Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando. Amen. Thank you for joining us today and, and being part of this uh, study, <laughs> on this podcast. We pray that you've been blessed. And our desire is that uh, God will continue to open up our eyes in this hour to know uh, the, all the fullness, amen, of what he's intended us to know. May God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.